This week on Missions Today. You know, you go on these mission trips and they can do all sorts of things to you. In this particular moment, I saw kind of the brokenness of the world, the poverty, the injustice, the suffering. And there are times when you see that and you're inspired to do something about it. And there are other times you see that and you feel just overwhelmed. And so I felt much more like the latter and I felt like what possible difference can I make in this world? And I remember complaining to God, just saying, God, how can you create a world like this? So messed up. And I was crying out to him and just trying to figure out what's going on. And and it was that moment I had a revelation of the cross. And this idea that all pain, all suffering, all injustice is the result of one thing, and that's sin. Sin, it affects us all. And today's youth culture is certainly not immune. In fact, they're said to be the most connected generation ever, but also the most lonely, always seeking pleasure, but rarely truly satisfied. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. Our guest this week was born in Amsterdam as the son of missionaries. His parents were struggling to reach the youth of that area when all of a sudden there was a breakthrough. Aaron Pierce now runs Steiger International, the organization started by his parents to reach today's global youth culture. To this day, Steiger continues to reach young people all around the world and helps train churches to go out and impact the lives of today's youth as well. Join me now as I talk with Aaron about this unique mission. Aaron, welcome to Missions Today. Great to have you here. So good to be here, Colin. Looking forward to this. So you are a missionary kid, grew up in Amsterdam. Tell me about that experience, maybe some memories from that time. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a truly blessed upbringing. My parents were missionaries there in Amsterdam. They're both Americans um, and were there and had a heart to reach young people of Amsterdam that would not walk into a church which in a city like Amsterdam, I mean, that's pretty much most young people. And, and so I have to tell their story because it plays into like my personal experience, right? So they, they had a real heart for these people. My dad would take a small group of people into the nightclubs like 10 o'clock at night till five in the morning. He called it lost sheep hours. And he would go and he would just meet people, talk to people, share Jesus, develop relationships. And then they would write down the names of everyone they met and they would go out into the forest Uh, And they would pray all night over these people. And they just said, God, we need a breakthrough in this city because they were doing this for a while. They weren't seeing a lot of fruit. And so they're praying and asking God to move. And then what happened is my dad, he's a very edgy, creative guy. And this was in the 80s at the height of the punk rock movement. That was the social movement of the time, especially in Amsterdam. And so he felt called to start a band And at that time, it was a punk band as a tool to go on into their places, on the stages where he had been, and to communicate the message of the cross using that platform. And they did that. They started this band called No Longer Music. And it all of a sudden, like the floodgates opened. And they saw many, many people coming to Jesus. And then it was like, what do we do with all of them? And so they started, they had a Bible study on a big red boat behind the central train station in Amsterdam. So if you've been to Amsterdam and you got out of the airport, then you have to go there because it's the center of the city. Uh, And there's a river that runs behind it and all these piers that jet out. Uh, And the Dutch word for pier is Steiger. So they named their Bible study, which became a church. They named it the literal address, Steiger 14. Uh, and, And that would eventually, of course, become the name of the organization that I today lead. But what happened is this this band that my dad started started to get opportunities to go outside of Amsterdam. So they went to like communist Poland and the Soviet Union and eventually all over. 
crazy God stories. People were reached. Christians were inspired. And people began to identify with this movement. And so people in Poland said, we're Steiger Poland. And they were referring to the church back in Amsterdam. And so this missions movement evolved. And that was the environment that I got to grow up in, which was a pretty privileged environment because I saw that God was real and he had the power to transform lives. I remember this one time. I mean, it happened a lot, actually. But my brother and I, my brother also serves in the mission today as little kids would go on tour with my dad with his band and we would be in some tough cynical nightclub in Eastern Europe or something and he would bring us on stage during the concert and he would say these are my sons I love them there's nothing I wouldn't do for them everything that I have is theirs someone try to hurt them I'd protect them with my life and then he would say and that's how God feels about you and he would equate a father's love for his children with God's love for them. And I got to see people like tough people with with tears in their eyes, praying to receive Jesus in that environment. And it totally ruined me in the best possible way. So that was like, that was my, what I grew up in. And I had my own journey, but eventually I found myself in, in the mission that my parents started. And today God has called me to lead it. So it's been a it's been an amazing run. <laughs> wow, what an incredible story and what an incredible environment to grow up in. Talk for a moment about that you you've just described this amazing experience as a young person, but you also said something I think is key for all of us at at, at any age to recognize if we're especially if we're coming out of a Christian home and that is we have our own journey to live. Uh, what did that look like for you? Maybe just a synopsis of those incredible moments, like on the stage you've just described, to get to where you really feel like you were following Christ. Yeah, that's good and important, right? Um, because even those experiences are not enough. You've got to, it's got to be something personal. There's several things along the way. I think my parents did things, you know, pretty good. A couple of things I think that helped is their, their private life matched their public life. So I saw that at the home. But then the big thing is they never made being in vocational ministry a higher calling. So they were like, you just, it's about what God has called you to do. There's no, you know, you've got to follow in our footsteps. You've got to do this or that. It's, it's just seek him and, and obey. And um, so that was a really big thing. There was, there's, a few moments in high school where I was able to lead my own ministry independent of my parents and find my legs, which really was big. But I think the interesting thing for me is, so because my parents never put a pressure to be in vocational ministry, I thought I was going down a different path. I, I went to college, studied economics and international business. I was on my way to law school and I thought I was gonna go into politics. I thought that's the way I'm gonna change the world. And then I went on a mission trip and, you know, you go on these mission trips and they can do all sorts of things to you. In this particular moment, I saw kind of the brokenness of the world, the poverty, the injustice, the suffering. And there are times when you see that and you're inspired to do something about it. And there are other times you see that and you feel just overwhelmed. And so I felt much more like the latter. And I felt like what possible difference can I make in this world? And I remember complaining to God, just saying, God, how can you create a world like this? So messed up. And I was crying out to him and just trying to figure out what's going on. And I, it was that moment I had a revelation of the cross and this idea that all pain, all suffering, all injustice is the result of one thing, and that's sin. And there's only one solution to sin, and that's the message of the cross. And so in that moment, that cemented my desire to give my life to addressing the root cause and uh, 
So it was that was like the pivotal missional moment for me in my life. You are uh, attempting to reach an audience today that is much different than it was 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Today's culture just seems to be almost at a breaking point. And I don't just mean adults. I mean, young people as well. You're dealing with uh, suicide levels like never seen before. And, and COVID didn't do anything to help that out. The kind of pornography that's available at just a moment's touch from anywhere just so many, you know, connected, this connected generation born with every electronic tool known to man and the ability to communicate around the globe. Talk for a moment about the challenges of reaching this culture right now. Yeah, it's good. Um, we call that the global youth culture. Um, so it's young adults for us that we're focused on, 17 to 35 year old, and they're all over the planet, like you said, that are more connected than ever before. And they're following the same social media influencers, playing the same video games. And they're superficially similar in things like fashion and music and things of that nature. But it's also deeper things like worldview and lifestyle, morality. And, and what you find, and this has been evolving in, in terms of thought and, and for a while now, but it's Basically, it's a global culture that is bought into a secular humanistic mindset. And so the idea, it's the religion of self and that there's no outside authority that can tell me how to live my life, what is right and wrong. I get to decide. And essentially, my feelings are truth. And whatever I, I can do whatever makes me happy. We're not pursuing truth. We're pursuing happiness. And it's very kind of individualistic. Uh, and and so you've got this culture. And then, of course, technology just amplifies that in a big way where we're all in, in TikTok, for example, is really played into this because what it's done is it's made virality more accessible. And so people really are buying into this view of, of myself. And the, the sad thing is the, the result of that is very destructive. Uh, on one hand, it's destructive because the church has become irrelevant at best. It's become harmful at worst, and people are suspicious of religious institutions. And then the other hand is the outworking of the secular humanistic worldview is, like you said, it's, it's, it's depression, loneliness, anxiety, ultimately suicide. And so with no anchor to hold on to because it's all about self. That's, I guess, the problem. In all of that, I, I still see a generation that is spiritually open and seeking. They're just not going to walk into the traditional church context. So we've got to go to them. So that, that's how I see the context today. Which uh, brings us right to Steiger and your work as International Mission Director for Steiger. You're overseeing this incredible organization that you've just described a few moments ago, started by your parents. Talk a little bit about the breadth of what Steiger does right now as far as uh, geography, but also the kinds of things that you do. Well, obviously, we started in Amsterdam, so it ended up growing all over Europe. So we're all over Europe and now we've moved into the Middle East, which is a phenomenal or crazy thing, global youth culture of the Middle East and how it's created opportunities to engage um, the Middle Eastern Muslim world in entirely new ways. Um, we're all over South America uh, and starting new things in, in East Asia. 
And then, of course, we're here in North America. And here, it's interesting because if we were talking five years ago and you were saying, what are you doing in the U.S.? I'd say, well, nothing. We've got um, the needs are far greater. And certainly the needs are great, right, over all over the world. Um, but what's happened in our country is we've had this radical cultural shift from a nominal Christian nation to a post-Christian nation. And what that means is that like, for example, the religiously unaffiliated is the fastest growing religious group in our country. And so affiliation with Christianity has declined, but but maybe even more importantly, the attitude has as well. And so it went from a positive, favorable view in which the church was a good thing and the Bible was a moral authority and you could pack a stadium at a Billy Graham event to today where for a lot of young people, they see the see it more at, at best apathetic, if not hostile, and their assumptions about the world is different. So that context is important because what we're trying to do is help equip, in this case, the American church to know how to engage a culture in ways that the old models don't apply because it was speaking to a different audience. The kind of come and see, bring your friend model was very relevant to a nominal framework, to a nominal audience. And there's still certainly we have those in our country, but it's diminishing. So what, what we're trying to do around the world, but here in the U.S. is number one is train the church. How can you reach this secular culture? And so we're offering and developing resources like Jesus in the Secular World, which is a book and a small group study on Right Now Media. And we're developing other resources that we offer the church. Here's how to reach, because this isn't like just trends and statistics. These are our sons and daughters that we're talking about, right? And so how can we equip the church to reach their own Jerusalem, their, their close community? And then the second thing is we raise up young leaders and we have a, a strong mobilization and leadership program that we, we put them through to raise them up to be kind of the leaders of our church and of our time to engage secular culture. And, and specifically then what we do is we establish these city teams that are the specialists in a city that, you know, we have them, we've just started here in the U.S., so they're starting to develop. But the idea is that they're engaging in secular culture, they're present relationally, they're engaging in evangelism and discipleship, and then they take that, what they're learning and what they're doing and the authority that they develop, and they're bringing that to the church to catalyze the church in their own city. So in a very quick way, that is that is essentially what we're doing all over the world. And just maybe to bring a little more clarification, how would you describe your relationship with the church? Would you consider yourself a parachurch ministry that's then pushing young people to a church, or do you act as a church in the bases where you're set up? No, yeah, we are not the church. Our team members are all part of the local church. Our desire is to serve the church and to equip the church and to act as a bridge for, uh, you know, the specialist in this culture and a bridge between the global youth culture and the church. Um, so, yeah, our desires for those that are reached, and by the way, they're being reached by people from the church, right, to be discipled and integrate into a local church. Um, so, yeah, that that is absolutely our desire. And, and I everywhere I go in the country, I talk to pastors who feel the problem. They just don't know what to do about it. So our heart is how, how can we serve and equip the church to to know how to go after this culture? So you've just said a moment ago that the traditional ways uh, in past years of reaching young people in today's culture, the, hey, bring a friend to church thing is is less likely to work maybe than it has in, in recent decades. 
So what is the model or primary models that Steiger uses to engage youth and start that relationship, that uh, opportunity for conversation? Yeah, the paradigm shift, and it really shouldn't be a surprise, right? Because it's, it's very biblical, but the paradigm shift is that we in the church have to mobilize our people to go out and be, be missional in their world, whether it's in their own oikos or missionally expanding their, their sphere of influence. Um, so the big thing, it's the, the basic principle. First and foremost, the, the foundations are when we ask God to open our eyes to the problem and to respond like Nehemiah did in chapter one, verse four, when he said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept meaning our hearts need to break because until our hearts are broken, we're not going to get uncomfortable. We're not going to reprioritize our lifestyle in order to go after the loss. So our hearts need to break. And that generally comes in repentance because I can't change my heart. Uh, and then, like it says, and then for some time I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So then it's desperate prayer. So the foundations are a broken heart, desperate prayer. Now, now I've got something I can work with. And so we often work with our churches partners to just start there because I don't I can't get into programs and tactics and strategies if your heart isn't broken and you're not praying desperately. Right. So that's that's the starting point. Um, but then then it's about, OK, my heart is broken. I'm praying he will. God's going to speak to me. But generally it means taking a risk by building, being relationally present, like a missionary, in places where I'm going to develop relationships with people who would not walk into a church. And so that means I've got to, you know, like Luke 15, where Jesus is being criticized for hanging around sinners so much, and then he goes on to tell this parable of the lost sheep. The idea is Jesus showed us that to be in relationship with or associated with kind of those people, the, the bad ones, however you want to frame it politically or morally, whatever, does not mean I'm affirming their lifestyle, but, but I am with them and I'm present and I'm authentically developing relationships. And, I'm, and then I'm doing it in a way where they, they see the distinction in my life. And, and not just, I often challenge, that doesn't mean I'm trying to show my moral superiority. What I'm actually wanting to show is the supernatural gifts of, of fruit of the spirit. Like, how can I have joy and peace and patience in circumstances that wouldn't normally allow for that? That is the distinction the world needs to see in relationship. And then and then we go into creative evangelism and discipleship bridges. But the, I think the big paradigm for the American church is our hearts need to break. And then we need to go be with those people that we've we've kind of seen as the dangerous bad ones if you know what i mean yeah i'd love to hear a couple of stories maybe from two different areas first of all maybe a story tied to a church that you've begun to work with or a group of churches and how they have responded to your encouragement and your coaching and maybe what they're doing and then secondly maybe we could look at a story of just where god is is on the move with a group of young people in this culture I mean, it's there are many. Um, there's, I mean, there's churches all over the country that we're working with. This coming Sunday, I'm going to be preaching at a church in Sacramento, and then doing a Jesus in the Secular World follow-up. But you know, we have we have a handful of of churches in Houston that have really really gone in, and they've really embraced it. And it started again with that that kind of mourning and anguish over the loss. Um, and then like we, we have a group in Houston, I don't know if I should name the specific name, so I won't, but a, a fairly large church 
that has really embraced this. And um, they have, we brought, we did an extensive training and now they are actively every week, a group of people in that church going out and being relationally present in these secular places, developing relationships with people that they previously would never have. And then they're sharing the gospel and seeing people come to Jesus. And they're, they're, it's so amazing because like so few churches are seeing that kind of growth, right? And it's such a powerful thing when you see someone encounter Jesus that would not walk into a church and they are getting to live that. And so it's it's nothing, the, the teaching we offer is not that radical, right? It's just break, allow God to break your heart, seek him desperately and go. And then yes, learn how to speak the relevant ways in culture today, but it's, it's anyone can do this. And so we we're seeing this happen in churches all over the country. Uh, maybe I'll stick in Houston. We've got a really good team that's emerged in Houston. And, um, even like, do you remember the, um, the tragedy that happened at the festival there last fall? I can't, I can't forget, I forget the name, but basically a bunch of people died in a festival. Our team was there and they went out to the streets and they began to just talk and minister to people. And they saw people come to Jesus. And then they followed that up because one of the things that I think is important for us to understand in our culture is that the, the pathway from when someone encounters Jesus out there, let's say, is, is uh, and then from them to walk into a church and to be part of that church, that's a longer pathway than it used to be. And so we need to take discipleship where they're at. And so our team started a Bible study for the non-religious in a cafe in downtown Houston, meeting every week, mostly people from all sorts of backgrounds coming together, opening up scripture. And it, it's this atmosphere of like, you can ask whatever question you want. There's no bad questions. No, you can debate, you can doubt, whatever. Just it's a free space, but we're going to open up scripture and we're going to read it and we're going to talk about it. And and the the what happened through that was so powerful. Now, several of those people have, have become integrated into a church and been baptized. But it's it's this it, it see it's why I'm, I'm I love the verse. First uh, Thessalonians 2 8 says not only do we share the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And that's what it's going to take to reach this culture. It's, there's a cost to it, right? It's a lot easier to hand someone a track, say, Jesus loves you, and I'm out. But this is how you got to walk with people, be in their space. It's messy, but that's what it's going to take to reach this culture. We just have a minute left here. For someone who's listening today, who is uh, just a, a churchgoer, who is listening to this program and uh, is motivated to begin to reach this younger generation, uh, to a, a staff person maybe who's listening today in a church, or maybe even a pastor who's listening today and has this this passion to reach young people and just doesn't know how, maybe a first step or two, uh, how should they respond? What should they do? How should they move forward? I mean, obviously we have some specific resources that we could share, but I mean, I, it all starts with what I said earlier. It's, it's, it's a broken heart that usually has to start in repentance because it's, because what this is usually going to take is like, I have to change my priorities. I got to, I got to get out of my comfort zone. And until your heart breaks, you're very unlikely to do that. And so I would say, God, my heart is cold. It's not how it needs to be. And I'm sorry, it's not right. Would you forgive me? And then he gives us, I mean, and it's, that's a daily thing. I got to pray that constantly. Uh, and then responding in desperate prayer. But um, yeah, I mean, we have resources like Jesus in the secular world that you can get. If you if your church has got right now media, you can get that. Otherwise, you can get it directly from us. Um, and and our heart is to serve the church. We have other resources that, that we can offer both digitally and in person. If you're interested, we'd love to serve you this way. 
And then, you know, if you're a, a younger person and you're, and you're saying, man, I feel like maybe this is what God has called me to do, then we have a training resources and mobilization as well, including the, the Steiger Mission School in Germany, which is kind of the culmination of our training. We have people from all over the world that come there to be trained and then start and lead teams in cities around the world. So, yeah, our heart, if you, if you feel like if this resonates, go to Steiger.org and check it out. And we want to serve. That That is our mission. That is our heart. Reaching today's global youth culture, that is the heart of their mission and an increasingly difficult task. But as Aaron shared, the good news is it is a culture that is open to conversations of faith. The challenge is we have to engage with them where they are. Most are not walking in the doors of our churches. The pizza parties and lake outings of the past, they just don't seem to have the draw they used to. But there is a chance to reach this generation. There are opportunities to connect at a faith level. They're open and they're interested. We must be intentional about reaching out. If this is something you're passionate about, we're going to link you to Steiger and all of their associated outreaches and programs in the podcast notes of today's podcast. Look there for all of that great information. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we're going to be talking to a lady who currently anchors a nationally recognized news program. And more and more, she's able to share her faith boldly on the air. Well, if you've enjoyed the show today, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, rate it, and leave a review on iTunes. That really helps us get the word out about this content related to missions. Again, subscribe, rate it, and leave a review on iTunes. If you have feedback from me or you'd like to tell me more about your story, your mission, your calling, I would love to hear from you. See Lambert at missionstoday.com. That's see Lambert at missionstoday.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Missions Today Radio. I'm Colin Lambert, and Missions Today is a production of Resource Global. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here next week for more Missions Today.